1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast for part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason and Jason, we get to talk about the suddenly surging Chicago Bulls. The Bulls have suddenly won three of their last four games, the most recent one being a 114-107 victory on the road against Lowry Markinen's Utah Jazz, Markkinen was on fire in the first half, and it felt like, oh boy, Lowry might go off for 50 against us in a revenge game. <laughs> but credit the Bulls Stars for sort of willing that game uh, to be a win in the second half. DeMar DeRozan, after a very quiet first half, a tremendous second half, to really take it home. The bench played really well. We're going to talk more about the bench later in this podcast, but some clutch shooting from Kobe White. Another really good game from Andre Drummond, who had 10 points, 10 rebounds in 14 minutes. Uh, Alex Caruso with some awesome defense to really slow down in, in the second half. So Bulls get that win. This road trip is not over. Their next two games, Jason, are at Phoenix and then at Golden State. Those teams have a combined record of 20-2 and two at home this year. So it's good the Bulls won. Uh, on Monday night against the Jazz, because winning at Phoenix or at Golden State is nearly an impossible task for any team in the league. And then they close the road trip with a game against the red-hot Sacramento Kings. The Kings, uh, maybe not red-hot. They've fallen time, off a little bit. Team. Yeah, they're a solid team. One of the red best offenses team. in the NBA. Yeah, Kings are solid. So while there is a uh, you know some some more positive some more positivity around the Bulls. Uh, they're 9-11 and 11 overall, and if the season ended today, they would miss the play-in tournament. They'd be the eleven seed in the East, and we would be crossing our fingers for some ping-pong luck uh, to maybe land Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson. So we're going to talk about the recent games. The win against the Bucs was you know, probably the best game of the year. I saw someone say it was the most thrilling regular season game across the entire league. Uh, one of the writers in the SB Nation Network said that, not unbloggable. So... That's great. What a win that was. Uh, we're going to talk more about all that. But first, Jace, we have a secret extension to talk about. Billy Donovan, who was reported today, apparently tacked on a few more years to his contract. Uh, he was supposed to have one year left after this season. And according to Shamstrani of The Athletic, the Bulls gave him an extension this offseason before the season began. So weird stuff, Jason. Uh, what was your immediate reaction when you heard that news?
2: Yeah, I mean, just very bizarre timing and bizarre, uh, yeah, just weird. Like, Billy, we've talked about Billy plenty on this pod, of course. I think we both think that, and a lot of, I think people think that, like, Billy falls into that, like, that mid-level of, you know, just a solid coach. Players seem to like him, all that stuff. Uh, not great. He's not terrible. He's certainly better than the Bulls' last coach, but he's solid, and, uh... So, like, whatever. Like, I don't feel strongly about them actually giving me an extension. It does It does seem a bit unnecessary and maybe a bit early. Uh, like you said, I would understand, like, if they had, like, a decent season this year and with one year left, then you extend them. Like, that's, like, totally fine. Like, a lot of coaches don't like going that lame duck year and they want, like, they want a bit more security. That's totally fine. But to whatever, after two years and with whatever, one nice season, I mean, last year, Obviously, they were really good for a while, and they tail off. They lose in the first round. Uh, After one year like that, it just seems like maybe a bit premature. Uh, I know, like, whatever, him and AK are boys now, and ownership, I'm sure, is thrilled that they got back to the playoffs to get two extra games of home playoff revenue, um, and they seem to be satisfied with what's going on. It just does seem like a bit premature, uh because i mean if this season goes belly up like now they still have billy on an extension or whatever and if they want to make big changes um and they still like is that what does it mean about their possible outlook moving forward what moves they might make uh stuff like that i don't know like i said i think billy's fine i don't like hate that they gave him an extension i know some people were like very upset with it like ultimately i think It's like, whatever, like, I don't think like firing Billy would be would do much like I don't like like if things went really bad, we have talked about like, is that going to be like, could he be a scapegoat? Maybe I would assume that's not going to be the case now that the fact that they extended him. So he does have a bit more security here uh in terms of like the timing again the timing is very strange they get off to a six and ten start and now they win three out of their last four with some huge wins over boston milwaukee this last win against utah was their first win in utah in like six years or some shit like is this a uh like they were like pete they were hearing the rumblings about fan dissatisfaction with billy and they're getting out and now they're like leaking this like, oh, no, we're fine with Billy. He's great. Like, he's he's totally fine. We gave him this extension. Blah, 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 blah. I know our guy Kevin Farraghan mentioned in our group chat, like, he thinks it's preemptive because he thinks the rest of this road trip won't go great. And, like, they think, and they're getting out ahead of this. Like, oh, like, we're not going to fire Billy even if the rest of this road trip goes poorly. I'm not sure if I subscribe to that. But it is very interesting timing that. They, they, first of all, they, I guess they didn't announce it when it happened. Like, why wouldn't you just say, "Hey, we extended Billy Donovan." Like, we had this, we made the playoffs for the first time in four years. We extended our coach. Like, I think still some people would still be like upset about it because it's not big Billy fans. Fine, but like, still, like, whatever. Get, prop up your coach. You gave him an extension. You're and you're rewarding him to like not do it, and not have it leak a quarter of the way through this season when they're nine and eleven is just kind of very bizarre. It's very Bulls, very Dorfian. Uh, Like I said, I'm not, again, not upset about it because I think Billy's fine, but like just strange.
1: Yeah. To do it going into his second to last year is just real weird. Like it would make sense to not want him to be a lame duck coach entering his final season. But guess what, Bulls? Last year you ended the season like complete and total dog shit. So why would you rush to give him a contract extension After the way the last two months in the playoffs went last year. Everything before that was wonderful. And certainly, like, Donovan brought a lot of just professionalism that the Bulls completely lacked under Jim Boylan, (laughs) under Fred Holman, too. Again, that was the lowest bar ever to clear. Correct. And I think this year, we're looking at Donovan with a more critical eye. Uh, for all the talk in the preseason about Billy Donovan sort of changing his offensive systems, the Bulls' shot profile is still really similar. They don't take any threes, they lead the league. They're like literally dead last or second to last in three point, right? Uh, they take more long twos than any team in the league. Now, part of that is you got to coach to your talent, and DeMar DeRozan, it's is the, the most roster talented player, on the team. he takes a lot of mid range yeah. shots. Uh, and then in terms of the like the transition attack that has remained mostly steady without Lonzo. So perhaps a bit encouraging there, but to really get back to your identity, you know, you need the talent to pull that off. And Lonzo is a big part of it. Uh, I just feel like they should have given Donovan this year as like a prove it year to see like how good of a coach is this guy? Really? Now that we've sort of established a baseline level of competence, like, can he help us take the next step? Uh, But it sure seems like Arturis and Billy Donovan are completely on the same page. And they're fully in lockstep. And exactly. Karnaschovas talked about continuity as like the buzzword of the offseason. And now he's retaining the coach, too. So, you know, it's kind of funny because this came out only a couple days after my boy Michael Pina wrote the bullshit tank column over at the Ringer which I think spawned like 10,000 text messages to me and you <laughs> and it was like what everyone was talking about for a couple of days. But uh, while I understand where Pino was coming from with that story, I just am so skeptical that the Bulls would ever do that. And really, does it make any sense to tank when your first round pick is out and top four protected? Like you could be the worst team in the league and still not keep your pick. And it would be hard for the Bulls to be the worst team in the league. So yeah, I mean, there's anyways, four. I think yeah. This Donovan extension sort of shows that the Bulls are not going to make a bold move. I think, like you know, people are talking about, oh, you know, would you trade DeRozan for the two Lakers picks? Right. We talk about what tanking. do you do with No a firing deal. Like, I don't think the Bulls are going to make a a rebuild like trade. Yeah, that's why Billy left this OKC. Is, Donovan, right? Donovan doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. And, you know, they gave him this security, I think, in part to show him like, you know, we're going to stay the course with this team. You're our coach. You're our guy. So should they have done it? Like. I thought that Matt's Matt at Bloggable had the funniest tweet about this, which is mid executive, mid coach and extension for mid team to keep leading mid team. And that's kind of what the Bulls are. Uh. I struggle to find like a ton of anger over it the way I used to, only because right. before we had the same chumps in charge for like almost two decades and they just had such a long history of blowing it. So, Carter Chauvis, I mean, you could absolutely take issue with a lot of what he's done, particularly just in overpaying for guys. Like v- the Vooch trade is going to go down as an all time overpay from the bull side to give up, you know, two first round picks and Carter and then you relinquish another first round pick top eight protected in 2025 to acquire DeRozan, who was a free agent at the time and who the Spurs had no interest in retaining. Uh, those are just more big picture points, but I think in general, the bulls are comfortable with where they're at. That's the main takeaway, like from ownership to the front office. I think they're pretty comfortable with where they're at. I do not think that they're going to trade Vooch or trade DeRozan uh, the way that a lot of, a lot of other people who don't follow the organization on a day-in, day-out basis, thinks might be in their best long-term interest. Jason, they just want to make the first round of the playoffs, get a couple of home playoff games, uh, and I don't think they're really interested in maximizing their championship sort of equity. So I think the Bulls, at the very top of the organization, believe that they're in a pretty decent spot right now. Do I agree? I mean, I don't know. It's like, how does this team take the next step? It's really hard to see it. Uh, certainly doesn't seem like it's coming via a Patrick Williams superstar leap. If Pat can just be like a solid starter at this point, that would be like a huge win. He thinks he can make it though. (laughs) Let alone like (laughs) uh, a consistent all-star, but yeah, odd move. I would have made him prove it this season. And I do agree. This makes it less likely that Donovan's the fall guy after this season. If it does ultimately end in disappointment, which it will (laughs) most likely
2: yeah uh and you talk about the, that tanking article it definitely was whatever there was plenty of talking points about that uh and i like and we've talked about it sometimes as a little bit as well like where they should go especially when we were talking a few weeks ago about like when they were six and ten should they push the panic button and all that uh it is just like a weird obviously that with when there at number one like it's an intriguing option to want to tank and all that kind of stuff. And like, also the headline of that article, I think like did not do it any favors, like calling the bulls, the most depressing team in the league. Uh, and that's probably was not Pina's idea. Uh, I guess maybe it was, well, I don't know.
1: Everyone say this, but remember what Pina's first sentence was in that piece? The first sentence of the piece is it's fair to wonder whether any team currently finds itself in a more hopeless situation than the Chicago Bulls. That, I guess that is true. So, <laughs> that is true. Uh, he basically said it in the first sentence of the piece. Yeah, I guess that is true. We so should like, get Mike on. I used to be Mike Settler at SB Nation back yeah, no. then. So uh, we we'll get him on something.
2: Yeah. Like, and I, I can't really agree with that. Like, I think the Bulls are in a weird spot and we've talked about it. And I think there are like, uh, aspects right now especially that are like there's a lot of concern about Zach and we can talk about Zach more in a bit and like they're obviously a doubt some draft picks but like there's still some talent here and the lonzo situation is legit kind of depressing but uh like the most depressing I don't know if I could go that far and I certainly don't agree with like like right like tanking right now um I just like don't I'm an anti-tanker in general I think there are like unique spots and situations where maybe it, it, it does make sense. And all that and that kind of stuff, Uh, like people. Like when I was talking about this on Twitter, and like people, and someone tweeted at me, like looking at the past champions who actually tanked, uh, and like people were being like, "Well, the Spurs tanked for Tim Duncan. The Spurs, the like the five years before that were a Western Conference juggernaut, and they had David Robinson, and then he missed the whole year, and they had other guys hurt, and they just kind of." uniquely kind of ran into a one season tank and got super lucky and got Tim Duncan out of it and then became, and then we continued to be a juggernaut in one championships. That's not the situation here. Uh And all the, like, and I guess the Cavs obviously got LeBron. Uh But I mean, that was again, a very unique situation. And that's when back then when the lottery was way different, the lottery. Now, when you, when the lot, the odds, so flattened, tanking is not as important or not as foolproof. If it ever was, it never really was. Uh, so it's like, Like, I guess if, like, teams come to you and, like, start offering absurd, like, trades for, like, Damar and Zach, like, do you, and the things aren't going well, do you maybe listen? I mean, maybe, sure. I mean, you always listen. But, like, do I think, like, tanking and, like, whatever, making all these trades and getting some draft picks and trying to tank is, like, a better path than still trying to win and maybe trying to go from the middle to up? Not necessarily. I mean, both ways could turn out shitty and both ways could maybe turn out great. And, like, I'd... And especially after it's been one season, one and a half, one and a quarter seasons of them trying to win now, basically, Uh, like whatever they tried to win during the Vooch trade, too. But like one full season after their big offseason, a couple of off seasons ago, and now this quarter of a season, Uh, like to kind of turn around after whatever that short of time and then go right back into a tank it's just not appealing to me and i'm sure certainly it's i'm sure it's not appealing to the front office like i'm not gonna say come out and say like people who want to tank and like trade everything and blow it up are like dead wrong because whatever the bulls are 9 and 11 uh there are the flaws with this core we've talked about the mad nauseum and this roster uh the the, whatever the big three together have not been very good and like you look at that and it's like well maybe they need to make big changes here because of that uh but like that in, when the, looking at that, like I think they would make maybe maybe trade one of the guys. I think that the Vooch is the easy exit there, and maybe they try to get something else there. Uh, and the Levine situation is again a whole weird thing too. But ultimately, like I don't agree with tanking right now. Like we'll see what I would think they'll play, and I don't think they're going to do anything crazy like that. Like you said, they'll play out this season. Maybe you make big changes in the off season um, from there. But like this season, like I said, definitely don't agree with the tank. I don't think they're the most depressing team in the NBA, but I will listen to people and I won't completely shoot them down if that's what they want to do. I just am just not for it right now. It just doesn't
1: make any sense when your pick is out.
2: Yeah, that if too. Like, what are you? Yeah, the, and there are five, there are at least five teams right now that you're just not going out tank the Rockets, the Magic, the Pistons, the Hornets, and who am I missing? There's one other one. So I think there's one other team that's really bad. Rockets, magic pistons and the Spurs, San Antonio. That's five teams. The bulls are not like, even if the bulls like traded their guys, like I feel like it would be hard to be worse than those teams are going to be. Like those teams are awful. They're injured. It's just like not going to happen. And that's five teams right now. The Bulls, I think they're, I think they're whatever, like around the top ten after they won last night. I'm not totally sure where they are at at Tankathon. Let me pull this up right now. Tankathon.com. The Bulls are currently sitting tied for eight with the Knicks. So like, um, right now that right now their spot is about twenty three percent to keep their pick. If you got to like six, it's about fourteen percent more. There's barely any difference between the number one overall pick. So it's like. Is it really worth like trying to whatever 15 to 20% to keep your pick and trading all these guys to maybe keep it and like I just probably not like you can trade these guys down the road like Zach I mean Zach's value right now is I mean whatever he just signed a 5 year max he does not look good uh you got plenty of time to trade Zach if that's what you want to do uh Demar will obviously be an expiring next season but like I think I think you get in the off season if you really want to trade Demar someone would trade I think trade a decent amount for Demar Derozan he's still one of the best scorers in the league so like I don't think you need to yeah rush into making trades cuz you're going to like lose value on them to like tank right now to add 10 to 15% maybe to your chances of keeping this draft pick cuz I mean the most likely outcome is you whatever you do that and then you still probably end up five or six and you're out the pick anyways. And then whatever you have some other assets, but like, again, these are assets you could probably also get if you waited. So like, I'm not pulling the plug on this, on this team and this, this core right now. And especially, and I do think with the Lonzo thing factors factors into it, I know who knows what we're going to get out of Lonzo ball this year. You can't really expect anything, but the when this the when the core played with Lonzo last season, I looked this up the other day. They were like a plus five net rating. Those four we know the, the three together, the top three together, not good. Put Lonzo in with them last season, very good. So, like, I think they still think they could have something there. If Lonzo comes back and he can ever get back to anything like himself. And that there is something there with this core. It's just obviously the Lonzo thing is just such a wild card and throws everything off, but. Another reason just why you, it's not like totally hopeless. It's just kind of in a tough spot.
1: My quick points here, even if you had the worst team in the league, you would have a 47.9% chance to finish with the fifth pick in the lottery. Even if you were the worst. Team. Yeah. So it's basically a coin flip. Even if you're the worst team that you lose your pick. <laughs> so, I don't think tanking really makes that much sense. The other thing I thought was so funny about Pina's article in one point, he's like, yeah, they could trade DeRozan for three sons, first round picks. I'm like, oh, well, I mean, that would be cool if they get three first round picks for him. Like that would be, you know, something that would potentially change the long-term outlook of the franchise. He's like, or the 2028 Clippers pick. I'm like, just one 2028 Clippers <laughs> pick. By that point, I'm going to be 41 years old, dude. Like, you know, same thing with the, uh, the Lakers you know, picks too. It's the seven yeah. Lakers picks so far off in the future. You're going to lose this year's pick. Anyway, the 2025 pick is top eight protected. And here's another hot take that I've been waiting to unleash. Oh, please. In my it. 12 plus years of covering the draft. I think I've always known who the number one pick in the next year's draft is going to be at this point in the process. And looking at the 2024 draft right now, there's like no number one pick. Yeah. To this point in the process, someone will emerge and I'm sure it'll end up at least being a decent class, but I got to say the 2024 draft right now looks pretty weak. And that would really be what you would have your eye on if you were to make a tanking move because you'd be maximizing the value of your own pick. So anyways, they're not going to tank. They never were going to tank. Yeah. The reason they're not going to tank is because Pina's coming at this, or and you know anyone who's talking about the Bulls should trade DeRozan. You're coming from it from a perspective of like, okay, the DeRozan probably has pretty decent trade value right now. That's the best move the Bulls made was to sign him. He's on a team friendly deal for next season, but the team has a pretty hard cap on on top of itself. Uh, with the current setup of the team, like the best I could realistically hope for is winning one playoff series. Even that's super unlikely. So you would be like sort of maximizing DeRozan's trade value when the current team doesn't have much upside. Uh, but like the goal there would be to gain more championship equity. Like you would have a clear path to maybe building a championship team at some point right now, the bulls are a decent team. They have no path to a championship. But the thing that I keep saying is that I don't think ownership really cares about championship equity. Why? Because they never let him spend into the luxury tax because I think they hired uh because he s- told them that he would get them back to the playoffs, get them back to respectability. In every Michael Reinsdorf interview, he always talks about just wanting to make the playoffs. So I think that, you know, what the Bulls want to do is be a team that can say, OK, well, we went to the playoffs nine years out of 10 or something, you know, we're consistently a factor in the Eastern Conference. Uh, for fans, that's pretty disappointing. But here's the thing, dude. That treadmill of mediocrity really gets started after you've made, you know, three, four first-round appearances and still can't break through. The Bulls have made one. Uh, the team coming into this season was still, like, there's still, like, some moving parts to it. We didn't exactly know what I.O. was going to be, what Pat was going to be. Uh, even if we didn't think they had much upside. And then, you know, Lonzo, what's he? He's still like 24-2. Potentially, he's their best trade chip long-term, one of them at least, him and Zach, if he can get back to being the best version of himself. Both of those guys would have trade values, like their absolute lowest right now. So what the Bulls are really going to do is try this out, try to make it to the playoffs, and see if they can be viewed as an up and coming team yep. Obviously, the uh, there's a lot of pitfalls to this plan. And right now, if the season ended today, the Bulls would not even make the play in tournament, given their record in clutch situations, clutch games already. Like it's it's probable that the Bulls are going to have to go through the play in tournament. To make the playoffs right like the number six seed already is slipping away pretty quickly even though it's not even December yet as we record this podcast just because after the win last night I believe they're what two and eight in clutch yep. games like games game five points in the last five minutes so those are a lot of coin flip games that have already gone against them now as we transition more into the team on the court. I believe the Bulls have played the toughest schedule in the NBA. They're number one in the strength of schedule metric uh, at basketball reference. In a few other sites, they'll have them, you know, somewhere in the top three of strength of schedule so far. And they have mostly been competitive. Uh we did a live podcast after that Celtics win. That was an absolutely thrilling win over Boston to start last week. To follow that up with a win over Milwaukee, 118-113, was just a really inspiring victory by the Bulls. Now, I don't think it really changes anything about their long-term outlook, but just in terms of the team trying to stay in the playoff hunt, yep. that was a huge win. When you factor in, you know, last year, this team could not beat an elite opponent at all they were getting steamrolled by any great team they faced two wins against the celtics now a win against the bucks as well pretty encouraging and what those really need to do is win some coin flip games and a coin flip game was the one against the jazz last night going on the road against utah utah is a team that's probably just as good as the bulls honestly even though utah expected to be among the worst teams in the league they got some real talent on that roster they are falling-fading a bit here. A little bit. Without comment. So they're starting to
3: fade a bit.
1: Yeah, They're starting to fade for sure. But, you know, still a decent win for the Bulls to get. And, man, did that feel like a must-win, didn't it? Like, that's the second or third time this year I thought to myself, the Bulls season is going to go off the rails, man, if we can't win this game.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Especially after the Thunder loss. So they win, they beat Boston, they beat Milwaukee. It's like, and I said after the Milwaukee win, it's like, all right, this is great. Best win of the season. Now you got a feisty Thunder team on the road. They've had, Bulls have had weird games in OKC in recent years, like big blown leads, stuff like that. They come out, what? I think they made like their first eight shots. It's like, all right, Bulls going to cruise to victory. What do they do? They fucking lose in overtime. And it's like, here we go again. Like another clutch, a coin flip, cl- clutch loss. Uh, and it's like, all right, like now they have to go to Utah and they go to Phoenix and Golden State. And it's like, here we go again. So that's and they go down. I think they were down by as many as 11 against the Jazz in the first half. Lowry on fire, uh, could not miss in the first half. 24 points in the first half. Bad defense. I mean, just letting him. Take easy practice jumpers. It was not a good game for Patrick Williams, Con- constantly losing Lowry on the perimeter and just the team defense as well. I don't want to put it all on him. Bad defense against the Jazz in the first half. Second half, they start. They start. I, th- I think you m- mentioned that they like put Caruso on him, uh, just like making sure you stick to Lowry, not giving him wide open looks. The Jazz start missing some shots. They start for uh, committing bad turnovers. The loss of Mike Conley is coming through really strong for them they've lost five in a row i think that's since he's been injured you can just see their point guard play is not good they're trying to rely on jordan clarkson to play point guard he is not a good point guard he's a he's a microwave scorer that's what he's always been that's what he's good at he also shot like shit yesterday so that helped taylor horton tucker is fucking terrible off the bench for them he had an awful game for them he can't shoot horrible decisions chicago guy he was an Iowa state guy too right Talen Norton Tucker, he is, uh, he's not good. He's very bad. least uh, he was very bad last night looking at his numbers. It's like the same as it's been. He's one of the worst shooters in the NBA, uh, for a guard. He's just fit and he's he had a horrible game last night. So they, and I think they also play like Nikhil Alexander Walker off the bench as a guard, and like, He's fine, but really missing Mike Conley, kind of getting their offense into, into their sets. And we saw that in the second half, the bulls just kind of, they took away Lowry, uh, they gave up still a few too many open threes, but like overall, like Kelly Olenek got some open threes. Malik Beasley luckily was bricking a bunch of his open threes. But the Bulls took some stuff away from they took they, t- they shut down Lowry in the second half. Jazz started turning the ball over. Bulls got some big turnovers as poorly as Pat played overall. Huge steal. The when the Jazz had cut a lead. It looked like the Bulls were gonna run away. Jazz cut the lead back down to four with a few minutes left. Uh, and Kelly Olynyk's on the perimeter, dancing around with the ball, and Pat helps off, double teams, gets the steal, clear path, foul, two free throws, and I think the Bulls then got like an offensive and they rebound immediately yeah. right after that play. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean he was not good. He had the one one big play, but uh, and then the Bulls kind of took care of the game from there. They had a couple big offensive rebounds down the stretch, taking advantage of Utah's poor rebounding, and that kind of put the game away. So it was great to see them. It looked like they went up double digits, and then the Jazz, it looked like they might reel them back in. That play kind of helped stem the tide. The Bulls were able to win that coin flip clutch game, which is great to see because they need it. Like you said, they play Phoenix coming up. That's going to be tough. Even without Chris Paul, he was ruled out again. Devin Booker's playing. All NBA basketball. Our old friend Cameron Payne's been starting. And I'm pretty sure he's been playing pretty well. DeAndre Ayton recently had like a 30-20 game or some shit like that. Michael Bridges is awesome. Uh, so like even the Suns without some key guys, uh, they're still. I think top, they're tops in the West. Their point differential is by far the best in the West. And Golden State's starting to look like themselves again. Golden State's been almost unbeatable at Chase Center. Steph Curry uh, looks great. Clay starting to come around. So those are gonna be two rough games. And the Kings. Going to be tough as well. One of the best offenses in the NBA. So after that Thunder loss, when after you're riding that high and then you lose that Thunder game, Bulls easily could have gone into the tank after uh, also going down early against the Jazz. But nice, huge second half. Great job to stem the tide. DeMar from the, the bench as well. Uh, let's talk about the bench. This is a good time to talk about the bench. The bulls outscore the jazz bench. I think it was like 39 to 18 Kobe white, 15 points and another clutch three. We talk about that bucks game. Kobe white had not hit like an important shot all season back to back threes down the stretch where they're down three and then to tie the game and then to take the lead, the ultimate game winner, uh, Great stuff. Great job by DeMar finding him. It was That happened in both games. DeMar getting a uh, double team to him kicking out to Kobe for these open threes. That's basically what Kobe's out there for. Kobe, Kobe is out there as that release valve and to knock down open threes. They basically got one job. He was not doing it. He sometimes, he, we, we know he's gone through these stretches where he just can't hit shots. And the Bulls easily could lose that game. Kobe White bricks threes like he often did against Milwaukee last season. Bulls lose that game in Milwaukee. He comes up big in that one. He comes up with the clutch one last night against Utah. And now the key with Kobe is just finding the consistency. And that's what's it been the key with him his entire career. He has these stretches, these couple games, these couple weeks where he shoots like 50 or 60% from three. And then he goes a month where he shoots like 25 or 30% from three. Can he be consistent? Uh, it's good to see him set up finding some confidence. He had some really strong finishes yesterday as well. So it wasn't just shooting threes. Was also battling defensively. He was battling defensively in that Bucks game, too. I think he had one play where he kind of like kind of stopped Giannis, whatever you want to call it. Uh so some good Kobe White stuff. Saw Dragic and Drummond find their connection again. They they've kind of slowed they kind of slowed down a little bit recently. Dragic, especially, he had that injury. Uh, but he they had some nice lobs, a nice connection again last night. We saw uh, Andre Drummond get a double-double, like I said, in like what 14-15 minutes. Uh, some big plays there. So the bench played a huge role last night. and Bulls bench, is, it's going to be important for them to continue playing well. Because, again, if the starters continue to be mid, uh, the bench coming in and giving huge minutes is is very important.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Kobe was due for some positive shooting yeah. regression because I saw that. Stab- yeah. Few games ago that like he among the worst shooting splits in the entire league, yeah. his three point percentage was down to 29%. And now after a couple of hot shooting games, he's up to like 34%, 35% yeah. so. around his career. Hey, like you know, Kobe can shoot. Kobe's yeah. like one of the few guys on this team who you can count on to make a three. When the ball swung to him in the corner from one of the key ones last night, it's like, well, who would you rather have shoot this wide open three than Kobe? Really? I mean. Maybe Levine or Kobe. You would rather have Kobe take it than Io or Pat or really anyone up Caruso, really I don't anyone. Know, Pat's else shooting there. like forty-five percent from three these days. Pat's he's yeah, really but wrecked. I still trust Kobe, you know, as a shooter, especially just because he's able to get it off on value. Yeah, no, he has like no he has confidence when he's shooting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the bench continues to be really good for the Bulls, as you said the drummond dragic contributions have felt a little quieter lately because of the dragic injury drummond you know a little bit in and out of the lineup since his hot start early in the season that was a game that i thought drummond dominated yeah 10 points 10 rebounds 14 minutes Just like he's an elite backup center when he's playing the best version of himself. And he even had what I would consider to be an all-time classic Andre Drummond play, where he gets the steal, goes coast to coast, at the basket, finishes for the layup. That was hilarious. Andre Drummond believes he is the world's largest guard. (laughs) In that moment, he actually got to show off some of his talent. So that was good to see. Caruso continues to be a total Superman. One stat I looked up, which surprised me, this was a few days ago. Caruso had the highest turnover percentage in the league. I think now he's at, like, you know, still in the top five or top six, but he had another costly turnover in the second half of the game against the Jazz, where he's just like dribbling, <laughs> going full court at full speed, and he just like totally loses the ball. He has no handle this year. He's not able to hold on to the ball at all. People have said that he might have like a thumb or pinky injury, like some sort of finger injury. Maybe that is one of the reasons why he's having so many turnover issues and shooting pretty poorly. At the same time, the dude could play with, you know, five broken fingers and probably still be an elite defensive player because uh, he's just such a monster defensively. His communication is as good as ever. He's able to slide up and guard bigger dudes, I think as well as any guard in the league. You saw it in the second half yesterday. Markkinen was just like cooking Pat for the first half. Uh, he Pat kept losing him on back cuts. Uh he wouldn't stick close to him enough on spot ups. It's that allusoe yeah. was like basically shut down marketing. So uh Caruso is truly one of the best defensive players in the league. It's one of the best moves you know Karnashovis has made was to be able to get Caruso. It's like the one negotiation Karnashovis didn't lose <laughs> to get Caruso for 10 million dollars a year for four years was a great signing by him. So having Crusoe on the bench, he's definitely a key piece. Drummond should be a very good backup five. Dragic, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, has been uh, you know really good as a table setting uh, backup point guard for the Bulls. And now Kobe is like gives you some much needed shooting at volume uh, and just with his accuracy too. So the Bulls bench unit. Gonna have to be pretty good if the team's gonna continue to stay afloat. And Javante because... is just a ball of energy. And then Javante, we love Javante. Everything Javante yeah. does is the best. Five Javantes out there. Out there. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and the Bulls need the bench to continue to make a positive contribution because the three stars just aren't that good. Like that's the one, like probably big takeaway from this season. Like Demar rocks, but Demar's not quite as good as he was last season. Although the his numbers like
2: about- it's funny like DeMar's numbers like it does feel like he has not been as good and then you like look look at his numbers and like his scoring average is down very slightly he's at 26.2 last year he was at 27.9 but he's at like 50 he's his shooting percentage is better at least his field
1: goal percentage uh let me see what his true shooting is at uh, yeah, you know, Demar's De- De- numbers are pretty close now. I thought that his scoring average was like a pretty clear yeah. drop. But you know, last year, he was at 27.9 points a game. Now he's at 26.2. And his true shooting percentage is, higher. is a little bit higher.
2: Yeah, I think it's just the so- difference is it's the clutch stuff because the Bulls are not winning clutch games. And Demar hasn't been as like big of an assassin in clutch situations. He's been just like it feels like he's been slightly worse and I think that is fair to say he's been he has slightly regressed and this is something we talked about we were worried about happening like if DeMar is not shooting 55% in the clutch like that could mean a few that's it could be the difference in some wins and losses and so far it has been they're 2 and 8 in the in clutch and they're and they're 9 and 11 on the season because he hasn't been quite as good and uh we saw it in the but- Thunder game um and yeah, and that's been a difference. But like, he's still been great overall. I mean, all, and but, ultimately, it's Zach Levine. And we were we said we were going to talk about Zach. Zach's numbers this year suck. They're bad. I mean, relatively. Like, you know, he's averaging like 24 and 4 right now. He's barely shooting 40% from the field. He's at like 35, 36% from three. Uh, his two-point percentage is like 10 percentage points below what, it sh- what it's normally at. A lot of the issues right now, like, I, I think is just with Zach. And obviously, with the fit of the three together, is just not great. But like when you're th- talking about the offense being not being as good as expected, a lot of it's Zach. He's at 21 points per game, basically just under 21 points per game. But he's shooting 44, 40.4 percent from the field. He's at 44.5 percent on two pointers. Think last year he was at 53.4 percent in 2020, 21. He was at 57.1 percent on two pointers. That is just a huge drop. He's not finishing like he used to the mid range jumper is just like not there. And he was, he took a couple mid range shots last night that were just awful. Early clock, like no passes contested. You can't take those, those shots just should not be part of this offense. Like DeMarge can take those shots at this point. Not second. No, he's hit he's had some success with that stuff in the past. He's not hitting those shots. Now he can't take them. Please don't take them. So like, you can look at that as either a positive as in like Zach has not been good. Like he has all this room to improve to back to what we know he can be. And that's going to mean the bulls are uh, mean more wins for the bulls and that they have a lot of room to improve. The other side of that coin is that maybe his knee is just fucked and he's never going to be as good as he used to be. And that's obviously the thing you're concerned about. We're at a quarter of the way through the season and Zach is shoot, barely shooting 40% from the field. And his true shooting is not even is is way, way down. So it's like, Who is the real Zach at this point? I would guess it's probably somewhere in the middle and that he will find some improvement back up. But like, I don't think we're getting like 50, 40, 90 Zach anymore at this point, uh, which which is basically what he was a couple of years ago. And obviously that was also has the caveat with being in the COVID year with no fans. But even like last year, Zach was having a great year last year. He shot almost 48% overall, 39% from three. Like, is it will Zach even get back up to that level? Or will he get up to like 44, 45% from the field? I'm going to still hold out hope that he is. He had surgery. He's admitted that he still doesn't feel totally quite like himself. But at this point, as the as the sample size keeps getting larger, it's at least something somewhat concerning, but also could be viewed as uh hope, room for improvement, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I was gonna make this point. Uh, so I just want to say, just because I didn't get to say it before. Sorry. Demar's not the problem. With DeMar, yeah. Even though he has, like, um, before, like, really digging into his numbers, seems like, you know, his level of play has dropped a, a smidge. Demar's not the problem. Demar has still been really, really good. It's that the big three to get Zach Vooch and DeRozan, uh, you know, it's just they typically lose their minute when they're on the floor, yeah. and that's an issue, and that's why the Bulls need to continue to – Thrive with the bench. Uh, You mentioned Zach. It's absolutely the biggest problem currently facing the team. I think it's like Lonzo's health and Zach's health are the two biggest problems facing the team. Uh, The number that jumps out to me in Zach's statistical profile is his rim finishing. And anyone can see it watching the games. He's just no longer a powerful above the rim finisher. Like he was as recently as, you know, the first half of last season so I pulled up the numbers on cleaning the glass. Last year, Zach finished 69% of his attempts at the rim. This year it's 59%. So when you think about Levine, like he's always had his issues with like decision making and seeing the floor as a passer. Obviously, he's never been a great defensive player. But the reason he's been a really good NBA player, two-time All-Star, and someone who deserved a max contract this offseason, which he did, is because he's excellent at getting to and finishing at the rim, and he's excellent at shooting three-pointers. So you really need those two parts of his game. You need like the elite finishing and the elite shooting. Now, Zach has not had the elite shooting. And in fact, his 59% at the rim this year is in the 40th percentile of all wings. So he's a below average finisher for his position at the rim right now. That's like pretty inconceivable for someone who's always been excellent in terms of finishing at the rim. Last year, he was in the 73rd percentile finishing at the rim the year before that he was in the 70th percentile. So, uh, We know that he's still going to have his deficiencies (laughs) seeing the floor as a passer, reading the opposing defense, late game decision-making, you know, some turnover issues, still not a plus on defense, but he was still worth it despite all that because he could get to the rim and finish at the rim like a monster and he could bomb threes. Now he can still bomb threes and uh, I'll quickly pull up his numbers. Let's see where Zach is at. Uh threes this year. So he's hitting 55 or 35.6% of his three. So uh that's worse than he's been in the past. Still kind of a small sample. Last year he was at 39. The year before he was at 42. So right now 35.6. Zach's got to hit more of his threes yeah. too. I mean, he's had a couple rough shooting games uh, over the last week or two. He's got to be a 40% three-point shooter, basically, because that's like the only out pitch. To steal a baseball term that he has right now, because he just doesn't have the gas going to the rim anymore. Now, his rim frequency hasn't really changed. Last year, he was getting to the rim on 34% of his field goal attempts. This year, he's getting to the rim on 32% of his field goal attempts. But, you know, the two years before that, 39%, 44%, 48%. So those were really like the peak Zach years And he was just getting to the rim at will and ripping threes. Uh, It's a huge problem facing the Bulls because it's like, okay, by playing Levine right now, like, the team still needs him. Even Levine at, like, 80% can still be pretty effective. Is he ever going to get healthy, though? Like, that's just the real question that nobody really seems to know the answer to. Like, perhaps he needs to build up strength in that knee. uh, But, like, to me, the more likely answer is, like, his knee might be kind of screwed long term so we'll see yeah uh they definitely need him you know to be the best version of himself to justify the contract and really to like be the Bulls franchise star because he should be at this point but again it's DeMar Demar's still been the best player on the team and you know the big three of Demar Zach and vooch just still not great still not a lot of Synergy between those three guys obviously three Guys with reputations as poor defensive players, Vooch, I think is average at minimum. Vooch is like pretty solid defensively, but he's not scheme versatile is the thing. He yeah. can only play like sort of one type of scheme. And then, you know, Zach and Demar is like clear minus defenders, especially Demar, yeah. just sort of creates a tough environment to consistently get stops. Now, to the Bulls' credit, I think this is where Donovan has mostly been really good. For Top 10-ish defense. The- Still still uh you know hanging in there defensively. Like if you got issues with Donovan, it's about his bland offense. But defensively, right now the Bulls number 10 according to basketball reference in defensive rating, they're number 21 in offensive rating. Again, they're number 21 in offensive rating because their three best players don't play well together. But right now they're they're staying afloat by winning bench minutes. And then you know, you hope Io and Packin, can please just like take a step forward because <laughs> That'd be the best thing for sort of the long-term future of the team. I guess like the best thing for the long-term future of the team would be to barely miss the playoffs and then win the lottery <laughs> or get the second pick to get Scoot Henderson because the odds are flattened. Now teams can jump up and Jace, if there's ever a year to rig the lottery, this is it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean we, talk- every year.
2: <laughs> we, we talk about the tanking thing earlier. I meant to bring this up earlier. It's like, I mean, the Bulls could just play this out and possibly, just miss out on the playoffs and maybe they get lucky and they win. Like if they, if they kept this core and then somehow we're able to add Wemby or whoever scoot or whoever else, like in that top four, like uh, that'd be great. Then you still have your star, a few star level players. And then you add your star blue chip prospect and then you do whatever else. And maybe that it goes from there. But uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, if you got anything else? I think we we've touched on basically every, everything here. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's see. We talked so, the last few games. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I'm just going to look at the upcoming schedule yep. at Phoenix, at Golden State, at Sacramento. Then the road trip's over. Okay, December is when the Bulls really need to start to make their move, I think, to like, okay, finish that month above 500, a few games above 500 yep. at least. Here's the schedule after you get back from the road trip. Again, you're opening the month at go- Golden State on Friday, then at Sacramento on Sunday. Then you're home against Washington, home against Dallas, at Atlanta, home against the Knicks, home against the Knicks again, on the road against the Wolves, who are now without Carl Anthony Towns, on the road against the Heat, who, you know, they don't look like world beaters this year, on the road against Atlanta, on the road against the Knicks. So another
3: four game. I mean, these are all teams...
1: These are all
2: teams that are right around them in the standings, like right around 500. The Hawks have fallen back. The Knicks, I think, have the same record as the Bulls. Tim Wolves have been puttering around, and they lo- just lost Cat, as you said. Uh, yeah, these are games you got to, especially these home games, like, the, like, like that home stand, the duo Knicks games. Win both. Got to go win both those games against against the Knicks. Uh, I don't know that's I know really? it can be hard to beat to beat this the same team twice, like back to back. But uh, the Knicks just aren't that good. I know like Brunson's been really good, but like these are a lot of just kind of toss up games that you got to start winning more than you're losing them uh, to make some hay in the standings. And
1: then they close the month versus Houston versus Milwaukee versus Detroit versus Cleveland. So, uh, and then, you know, you go into January from there and the January schedule looks pretty favorable too. So you would hope if the bulls are going to make the move, they've played a really tough schedule so far. Now I expect them when this road trip is to be over, like if they go three and three on this road trip, that would be dope. Give me one more win out of these three. Like you expect them to lose at Phoenix
2: and golden state. Maybe you beat the Kings. Maybe they, whatever. Maybe we didn't think they were going to beat Milwaukee. We didn't think they'd beat Boston again. Uh, I mean, Boston, they've blown Boston out twice. And Boston has basically blown everybody else out. They played three games. against Boston, two wins, one close loss. And Boston is basically beating everybody else's ass, except for Cleveland. Like, Incredible that the Bulls won those games and the, the Milwaukee wins. So, like, they've shown they can compete and win some of these games against top teams. So, like, I don't want to say they can't win any of these games. So, like, but yeah, out of these next three, give me one, go one and two. I'd be fine with that. If they win then somehow, win two
1: under. ecstatic. Yeah, if they can win one in the kings game, is probably the game they could win, but you know, they're not gonna be the favorites in that game. No. The kings are gonna be the favorites, but uh They'd be three games under if they can win one. If they lose all three, they're four games under. And really, that's five games. If they lose all three, thunder
2: they'd be nine, they'd be nine and fourteen, which would be okay. tough. Yeah.
1: The stupid thunder game and the stupid magic game. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you want to go back to the second game of the year, the stupid wizards game, when the NBA, you know, put out <laughs> in the two-minute report that DeRozan did get fouled <laughs> on his last attempt, which could have given him free throws to win the game. Those are really weighing down the Bulls record right now. And, you know, when you're talking about a team that was probably going to win between like 40 and 46 games, maybe like those close losses, so many close losses like this, especially to bad teams, teams that you should definitely beat teams that don't even want to win entering the season. uh, Those stick and they put a handicap on like just how good this team can be this year. So Bulls are definitely in a little bit of a hole. Give me one more win against the Kings, and then you got three and three on the road trip. Hopefully, they don't get blown out against Golden State like they usually do. Normally, (laughs) the Warriors, when the Bulls play in Golden State, it's usually a runaway victory for the Warriors, but I'd like to see them sort of hang in there. I mean, the Suns don't shoot a lot of threes either, just like the Bulls. And against the Jazz, you know, on Monday night, the Bulls won a game where they went six of 22 from three. And that's horrendous. yeah, the Jazz at 19 so, threes. <laughs> the Bulls still won that game. So, yep. you know, can we get an outlier hot shooting game to win one more game on this road trip? That would be nice to see. Uh, but, you know, we've been saying it all month, Jace. It's about treading water right now. Toughest schedule in the league. You know, they wouldn't make the play in if the season ended today, but they're not too far out of it. So just got to keep, got to keep trying to stay afloat.
2: Yeah, I mean Outlier Hot Shooting Game is how show. Yeah. Out Outlier Hot Shooting Game is how they beat Milwaukee. They hit I think eighteen threes that game. You had the Kobe and Vooch string of clutch threes down the stretch, and that's it's a good way to win games when you're not as you're not as good as your opponent. So maybe they can grab another one of those somehow and they'll get lucky. I don't know. But yeah. That's going to do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Three games left on this road trip, as Ricky said. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Please, if you like what we're doing here at Cash, go check out all the other great pods on the Blue Wire Network as well. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, H Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys next 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 time, probably after the end of this road trip next week.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.